Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women's in the ring. This is episode number 88 on blocktalkradio.com. We're here every two weeks to talk about female boxing. And, well, we have uh, some things to talk about now that boxing is starting to pick up again. Unfortunately, we thought we were going to have a female fight scheduled for this Tuesday, but... We're going to get into what happened because our special guest tonight will be none other than Michaela Mayer, who was scheduled to be on on Tuesday from Top Ranked Bubble in Las Vegas, Nevada. And she's going to be here with us in about 15 minutes, along with her manager, George Reese, to explain uh, everything that happened there. But with us from Riverside, California, is none other than Mr. David Avila. David, how are you doing tonight? Very good, Felipe. Hi, how about, how's everything? Good, good. Doing well, doing well. And with us from Northern California is none other than Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? Hmm. It says that she's on, but um, she might have it on mute. Maybe. Do you have it on mute, Lupi? Um, not 100% sure. So let's wait to see uh, what happens. Or if she can't hear us, Lupi, go ahead and call back. I'm going to disconnect her, and then I'm going to have to see if she could call us back because we do – there she goes. She hung up herself. So um, I'm going to have her call us back to see if we could get a connection to Ms. Lupi Gutierrez. Uh, she just messaged me. Okay, she messaged me. She said she's going to call right back. There she is. Let me patch her in. Let's see what's going on. Can you hear me? Yes, Lupi, we can finally hear you. How are you doing? <laughs> you know what? I'm doing good. I knew something was up when I came on 10 minutes early because I was still making dinner. And then I was like, I better get on now. And then nothing happened. And all of a sudden, it was starting. I'm like, what happened? Is anyone on the show? Now I see. It was a glitch. I thought well, it was just going to be me. <laughs> well, we're glad we're with us yet again, Ms. Lupi Gutierrez from Northern California, part of the Beautiful Ballers organization out there. And obviously, Mr. David Avila and myself, Felipe Leon. Uh, we are going to have Micaela Mayer and her manager, Mr. George Reese, in about 15, 20 minutes here on the show. So before we get into Micaela Mayer and, and, and what went on this past week and her a positive COVID-19 test that impeded her from fighting on on this past Tuesday against Helen Joseph as it was planned. Let's go back a little bit and talk about some of the news that has transpired since our last show on in the female fight world. In the biggest news in female boxing, perhaps since the pandemic began, the WBC has reinstated Franchon Cruz Desern as their 168-pound champion while suspending former heavyweight champion Alejandra Tigre Jimenez for nine months. Jimenez came up positive in Nevada administered test on the night of her title fight against Cruz Desern back in January. 
after not being able to answer why as well as coming up positive in the B sample, the WBO reinstated Cruz Desern as their champion weeks ago. Now the WBC has followed suit. Mauricio Suleiman, president of the WBC, states or stated not too long ago, despite suspending Jimenez, he believes she is a clean fighter. David, you, we, we, we talked about this um, subject in less in past shows, but now something that surprised me is that the WBC actually reinstated her instead of having her duke it out against another fighter. So what are your thoughts about the fact that they actually reinstated her just like the WBO did and not have her actually fight? Well, that's the only thing they could really do because uh, if somebody shows a positive test uh, for, for, for PEDs, then they have a great advantage. And uh, because of that, uh, re- they had to reinstate her because would she have won? without taking uh, PEDs. Of course, there's debate still that she claims she's clean. and and But, I mean, they hired VADA, which is the best of all the organizations for testing, and they found it, and they've never been proven wrong. Now, how much, before we go to Lupi's uh, uh, comment on it, how much do you think it had to do with the fact that the Texas Commission where the fight was held um, – called it a no contest, how much did that have to do with the WBC and the WBO reinstating her instead of having her fight against a number one contender or highly ranked contender? Uh, could, could you say that again? Do you think it had a lot to do the fact that the Texas Commission – where the fight was held, the, the French, the Cruz de Zern Jimenez fight was held back in January. Do you think it had a lot to do the fact that they called the fight a no contest or ruled it a no contest? Um, do you think it had a lot to do with that, that the fact that it was a no contest, the fact that they got reinstated and that had Cruz de Zern fight for it again? Uh, it's, it's quite possible. Uh, I mean, uh, you, I would think, uh, yeah, that might have something to do with it because of the state uh, sided with that. They they can't really go against the state. Uh, the state is the governing body at that part, at that point. What do you think about everything that has transpired in the last week, Lupi, as far as the WBC reinstating Cruz de Zern as the champ? I think the WBC should have reinstated de Zern as the champ. Should it have been done earlier? My personal opinion, yes, but I know it has to go through the process and go through Texas, and and that's all good and fine. Um, should should the WBC have come out? And this is a personal opinion. I don't think the WBC should have come out in favor of Humanist. I think that's something that should have just been kept. If you think it, fine. Don't say it. But that's just mm. my opinion. David, your comment I, on. Go ahead. Finish up, Lupi. Well, I was just, I mean, this is just like personal opinions. Um, I was there for uh, Martha Salazar's fight when they fought in the heavyweight division um, in Mexico. And, and, you know, and I know Alejandra a little bit, and she's really sweet, and she's a really great person. She's great to us over there. But I, I also can compare to how I spoke to her then and her sweet feminine voice and how I see her at the time of the fight. And I noticed... Personally speaking, I noticed a big difference, a big change. 
David, what do you make of Marisa Suleiman actually coming out publicly and stating that he believes Alejandra Jimenez's statement of her being clean? And despite of that, still, I mean, it wasn't his decision to suspend her because it has to go through a committee, which is a good thing because the WBC, in the eyes of many, did the right thing. But it seems like that if it would have been solely up to Marisa Suleiman, she might have not been reinstated and, she, and Jimenez might have not have been suspended. So what is your comment on the fact that Marisa Suleiman actually came up publicly and supported Jimenez in, in believing that she is a clean fighter? Jeez, uh, I didn't know that was the case. Um, that's actually news to me. I didn't know that. I, I thought that basically he had those sole dictatorial powers, but, you know, you just gave me some information that it went through a committee and he abides by the committee. I thought he was the sole uh, uh, arbiter when it came to that. But if it, it does show that he basically showed his cards that he favors the Mexican fighters. Mm-hmm. Well, He's done it over and over again. I mean, I haven't seen anything to per se that, that it went through a committee, but I don't, but I believe it did. I believe I believe it has to go through a committee as far as the suspension, or they have to follow some kind of rules. What I find it hard to believe that if it was a sole discretion to um, Mauricio Suleiman, then I don't see why he would find her uh, or suspend her or even take the belt away, since he stated that that he believes in her. Now let me let me. Uh, did you, you saw the news of him stating that that he doesn't think she's guilty? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I could only imagine that it had to go through other our powers in the WBC for her to be suspended because if, according to, or not according, but if we're going by his statements that he believes in her innocence, then I think that he would have found a way around it if he believes that that's not the right decision, but if he's following the rules of the WBC and the clean boxing program, then he must, he must do that. One thing that I do find surprising that I have stated here on the show before is that I would have believed that the WBC, instead of these reinstating Franchon Cruz, they would have just made her the number one contender and then found the most available highest ranking 168 pounder for her to fight for the WBC title again and for the time being be vacant. So I found it surprising that they did reinstate her and not make her do that because I believe that that's what they were going to do. Now, as far as Alejandra Jimenez, as soon as that decision was made public by the WBC, she released a statement in her social media accounts reacting to it. And she said, and I quote, despite having the reliable evidence that there was an error, this decision was reached, which I find unfair, and that obviously affects my career in a brutal way, she said. She also said she wanted her belts back, but wants to win them back in the ring. So after her suspension is up, she will lobby to get the opportunity once again. She did state in her statement, she closed with making the statement that as far as she's concerned, she continues to be the 168-pound champion for the WBC. And I would imagine the WBO. Lupi, did, I don't know if you got a chance to see her her statement. It was in Spanish. Um, but did you, get to see, did you get to see it? What yeah. are your thoughts about what she said on that on that statement? 
I did get to see it. I watched the whole thing. I was looking at, you know, facial expression, tone of voice, and, you know, at, you know, she came across as very, you know, very um, straightforward. Um, and then as it went on towards the end, she got a little upset when she said, I am the world champion. She said in Spanish. But my translation, when I was listening, is like, I'm still the world champion. And she's starting to get a little bit upset. I mean, personal opinion again. You're, I mean, you test came back the way they came back. So, I mean, I thought it was a little arrogant. I mean, but maybe she really believes that and she's sticking to her guns. But the tests are what they are, what they said, you know, and it's so disrespectful. I mean, but then again, that's my personal opinion. If I do think that I believe the test and I believe, I think it was disrespectful to the sport. It was disrespectful to her. It was, but that's if I believe the test. That's my personal opinion. David? David? Yeah. Uh, I'd like to. know what she means by an error. I mean, an error because they didn't go her way? Because uh, basically they gave her a test and she failed. I mean, she passed the, the other test, but you have to understand the, the the system of testing that VADA does. They do impromptu testing. They don't tell you when they're going to come and take a sample. And so what happens is that you, these people that cheat, they, they take these, these uh, serums, and then they can count when they don't have to take it again, so that way they can show negative. And then they do it again and take it, and hope, and they hope that nobody makes them test so that they show up uh, with a positive sign again. And that's the way they cheat. I mean, they have it down to a science. And what happens yeah. is she got caught. Yeah, she showed a negative the day after. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that they basically caught her on, at the right time. Yeah, I mean, yes. Because I believe that that she should have her, Franchon should have her belt back. David, do you you feel that way too, that Franchon should get her belt back? Uh, Yes. Because my question was to Felipe why he thinks that she should, his opinion, why he thinks that she should fight for it. Um, Even if they can fight it. I think that she should fight for it because despite the fact that, and this has nothing to do with, French Jean Cruz Desern, and it has nothing to do with Alejandra Jimenez. Just say two random fighters, okay? And one of the random fighters comes up positive. You know, in my opinion, and this is solely my opinion, you can't, you can't solely believe that the reason that she won is because she was positive, or he in this in in a, in a random case with men and women. They, that the reason they, that, that they won is because he was positive for some illegal substance. So if at the end of that fight, the fighter won, then and they take and that fight goes to no decision, and they take away the belts from that fighter because they came out of positive, and the the commission calls it a no contest. Then I believe those fights. Be, I believe that those belts should become vacant, and the fighter that was in that fight that was clean, in this case, French Sean Cruz earned, should be the number one. Um, should be the number one ranked fighter, and she gets to fight the highest ranked available fighter for those belts. Um, that is my opinion, okay. you know, because I can't uh-huh. give a hundred percent credit to the fact that she was um, positive. The f- credit of that was the reason that she won. You know, she's still a fighter. She knows how to fight. She did certain things in that fight that Cruz Desern couldn't deal with, 
And it doesn't tell me that those things that Cruz's Derzern couldn't deal with was the fact was helped by her being positive for this um, substance. So that is my opinion. But let's see. Um, we have our guests now. Uh, maybe they want to uh, touch on that. Uh, maybe they have a different opinion of mine. Maybe they have the same opinion. It, it, we don't know. But with us now on the line is none other than undefeated title contender, Miss Michaela Mayer. Let me uh, patch her in. Hello, Michaela. How are you doing tonight? I've, I've had better days, but I am I am okay. Thank <laughs> you. Michaela. Thank you, Michaela, for being here on the show with us uh, once again. And I'm also going to patch in your manager, Mr. George Reese. Mr. Reese, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show. I do appreciate it. Thank you, sir, for being here with us. Now, as it is custom here on our show, we're going to pass on the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Hi, Michaela. Hi, George. Uh, how's everything going today? Hey. Doing well. Answering a lot of questions. <laughs> I've heard. I've heard, read. You guys are all over the place. <laughs> well, well, first up, for our listeners' sake, uh, I wanted to uh, introduce uh, George Reese first. Uh, we've had Michaela on the show, but George, tell us a little bit how you how you met uh, Michaela and how you became interested in uh, in uh, Michaela, and also a little bit about your background. Okay, um, I'll start off with my background real quick. Um, I'm an I'm an attorney. I've been an entertainment attorney for 27 years. I've worked at uh, Disney and Paramount, and I spent 15 years uh, doing business affairs and also as a talent agent at a Hollywood agency called ICM. And ICM is where I actually met Michaela. Woody Allen's agent was supposed to take a meeting with Michaela, but he called me about a half hour before he was supposed to take the meeting. And he said, look, I don't know anything about boxing. I know you like boxing. Um, Would you mind taking the meeting for me? And I said, oh, okay, fine. I didn't know anything about, about Michaela at the time. I just, you know, I just like, you know, did it as a favor to this guy. He was, he was either the more senior agent, obviously. So I take the meeting, and this is right after she had lost the Olympic trials in 2012. Okay. So she walks in, and, uh, you know, I don't know much about her. I read a couple things in the LA Times about how close she got to making it, but that was about it. But after five minutes of meeting with her, I thought, oh, my God, this, if this girl can fight, she's a star. I have to sign her. So I signed her right on the spot. Uh, what turned was supposed to be like a 15-minute meeting turned into an hour. And then um, I actually left the agency probably a few months later, and Michaela came with me. And our first deal together was a national Dr. Pepper commercial. And we've been going strong, again, through some ups and downs uh, since 2012. Well, so you had her since the amateurs and through the pros. Oh yeah. And and I also I also saw a little bit of your background. You went to UCLA like me. Oh yeah, Uh, uh, I'm a double Bruin, Uh, UCLA undergrad and UCLA law school. (laughs) Hey, fellow Bruins. (laughs) Fellow Bruins. Yeah, born and born and raised. I was uh, born in uh, Los Angeles, grew up in El Monte, Montebello, and then uh, have lived more on the West Side uh, most of my adult life. Oh, amazing. And so what brought you to boxing? What What is it that you liked about it? You said that you liked it even before you met Michaela. 
Oh, my dad was a huge boxing fan. I mean, uh, I used to watch all the fights uh, with Sugar Ray Leonard and uh, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Tommy the Hitman Hearns, Mike Tyson, uh, and then the latter days of Muhammad Ali. When it was it was a big fight, you know, we were playing in front of the television watching uh, things on, on remember on TV and uh, oh and, yeah, uh, early days of HBO. So we would we would we would buy all the fights. We you know we'd have friends over and we would cheer and yell and scream. First time I ever heard my dad cuss was because of boxing. He was, we were driving <laughs> home from the Fabulous Forum after a you know a night of boxing, and he and his buddies are off cussing up a storm about the results. And then one of the guys turns to my dad and he's like. Hey, you got your son in the back. You shouldn't cuss. And my dad's like, he's got to grow up sometime. So that was, that was my, my exposure to my dad cussing was boxing. So I, I've loved the sport ever since I grew up with it. I've always loved it, and I I'm, I feel blessed to be part of it now. When you started managing uh, Michaela, what were some of the ups and downs that really stood out for you? Uh, well, you know, uh, when you manage a, a, an amateur fighter, there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of money that that uh, comes your way. You spend a lot of hours going to a lot of uh, you know amateur tournaments. Um, you know, watching and hoping your that your investment <laughs> pays off. Uh, but you also you also get to to learn a lot about uh, the sport of boxing, especially in the amateurs. Um, so that was that's how I spent a lot of time. It's just like sort of getting to know you know the Olympic system, getting to know the amateur system, uh, getting to know what Michaela you know excelled at, and then just you know tagging along. And it all culminated in the two, in 2015 when I got to watch her win the U.S. Olympic trials in Memphis, Tennessee. That was probably the most exciting fight I'd ever seen her fight. And what's it been like uh, uh, watching her as a pro? Have you seen the difference in style, the difference in attack? Uh, I mean, everything. Two very different styles, amateurs and pros. Uh, you know, amateurs, you, you've got short rounds and you've got to get as many points in. You know, where the pro, I've seen her, you know, mature and develop her style. She sits back on her punches. She works the body a lot more. There's more strategy involved. She breaks down opponents. A lot of the, you also get a lot of luxuries when you're a pro because you've got a lot of time ahead of you to study your opponent, watch tape, and then work with your coaches to develop a strategy specific to that person. When you're an amateur, you don't know who you're going to get matched against. So you just got to be ready for all styles and you've just pretty much got to be quick and fast and accumulate those points. Now I'm watching her, you know, work on power. I'm working, I'm watching her work on combinations that, you know, bear fruit over the long term, not just, you know, one, two or three rounds. So you're watching this maturation of a fighter. She brings all the experience and the speed from the amateur, but she's learning how to, how to, you know, weather, the storm as a pro and then uh, develop her own technique and style. And it's, it's, it's marvelous to watch. And for our listeners sake, uh, what does a manager do at the pro level? Well, uh, you know, primarily you're the one that's uh, negotiating all the contracts for your fighter, right? You, you, uh, you're negotiating the money uh, for uh, the purses with the, with the promoter. You're also handling sponsorships. You're dealing with a lot of companies that want to work with your fighter and uh, sponsor them. Uh, we're lucky to have a number of sponsors on Michaela, you know, working with Michaela. And as an attorney, as an entertainment attorney, um, I, I happen to have a lot of experience negotiating contracts. So I get to negotiate them, you know, uh, and make them a little bit better. Uh, you know, we've gotten the chance to travel overseas as a result of uh, some of the sponsorships. Uh, we, we're, we're getting, uh, you know, some, some nice uh, sponsorship uh, support from some great companies. And then uh, every time there's a new fight, you know, uh, I, 
you know, call up top rank and we negotiate a purse. So those are some of the big things that a manager does. You know, I don't get involved in the training. That's all Coach Al and Coach K. They handle all that stuff. I just Can worry I about just the add business to that? I just sure. want to add, I want to, I want to just chime in there because what George does for me is not textbook manager. Like <laughs> I feel so lucky and grateful because I have everything in one. I have an agent reeling in sponsorships and endorsement deals. I have a manager negotiating my purse for and you know contracts for my actual boxing fights. I have a publicist helping me to strategize when it comes to building my brand in all different aspects. Okay, and then I have, I have, I have a stylist. Like literally, we'll be planning for an event, and I'll be sending him pictures. Like, this, 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 this. like what kind of event are we going to? He wears so many hats. He does everything for me, and it's like when people ask me, "Oh, what do you, what do you suggest? Like, if I want a manager and this and that," and I'm like, I can't really give you that advice because. The relationship that I have with my manager is not standard or unique. Like, I have a genuine, and, and that's where I kind of credit myself in all aspects of my career. Like, one of the reasons I believe that my career is successful is I have people on my team that are genuine humans who, like, who don't just do what they're being paid to do. Like, we're all a team. We all do extra. We all put in extra hours, put in extra time, extra work. We all collaborate together. And I like I like I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for George. Like he is more than just a manager to me. Like he has helped me to build my brand. Like this is his brand too. He's just behind the scenes. His name's not on it, but he's done so much. <laughs> so George, well, now we'll you. get to the to the big point on the on yeah. this uh, COVID nineteen test. Uh, what was that like going through that for the first time ever in the history of boxing? Well, um, it's a learning experience for us all. Um, uh, you know, I was I was called early in the morning on Sunday um, by by Brad Jacobs over at Top Rank to let me know the results that that she had tested positive and as a result she wasn't going to fight. So that was a, that was a shock to me. Uh, that was a shock to me because I knew that Michaela had the antibodies because she had been obviously been exposed to COVID sometime in the past and had not really been mm-hmm. you know didn't wasn't really aware of it. But now that she had tested, she had gotten the antibodies. So when I got this word, I was I was shocked. I'm like, how can this possibly be? You know, she, whatever whatever exposure she had to COVID is now past her system, and she's got mature antibodies in her system, and that she's not, she shouldn't be infectious. She shouldn't be a threat to any other fighter, and she's clearly asymptomatic. Uh, and then I asked a question: What about the other members of the team? What about Coach Al? What about Coach K? And they said, well, you know, they're negative. But he says, but she's but she's got to be out, and she's got to be out of the MGM property like like within an hour. So so wow. it was it was a it was a shock. Uh, and then you know I I'd called Michaela. She'd been told already, but you know didn't know what to do. So we we I then got on the phone and then tried to try to see if we could figure out a retest. But because of the agreements that Top Rank, ESPN, MGM Resorts, and the Nevada State Athletic Commission all had in place. You know, they had all agreed one positive test and you're out. And there was no wiggle room, no room for discussion, nothing. There was no set of circumstances that would have changed their mind for the first card back, you know, after the pandemic. So uh, we're still in the pandemic. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Michaela. You're absolutely right, George. But the facts are you can still still have a positive 
COVID test, if you have come in encounter with COVID in the past, you cannot be, you don't have to be contagious. It doesn't have to be current, but it can remain in your system for a period of time. So in order to have proper results, you would need to compare your COVID test with your antibody test and your blood work. That is the only way to find out if you're actually going to be, you know, spreading this virus around and have, have a negative effect on whoever you're around. Like, Otherwise, we're still learning about this, this disease, right? So if you've had it in the past, we can't discriminate against the millions of people who have had COVID. Me having it in the past does not make me ineligible to fight. But because we don't have enough information, we weren't able to prove that I was not infectious mm-hmm. and that yeah. I should have been able to get on that card without causing any harm to anyone. Yeah, let's let's be clear. Um, look, if you're in, if you're infectious, you shouldn't fight. If you have the possibility, the realistic possibility of infecting another fighter or another person on the production for the show, you absolutely should not fight. Safe, safety first, absolutely. We're not we're not disputing that at all. That the first thing we got to do is protect ourselves in a pandemic. We've got members of our team that are a little on the older side. And I'm going to include myself in that. Um, but you know, if one of if one of us were to get it then that would be a, a tragic circumstance. So we're not saying that That's, if you've got COVID, it's, it should be a pass. We're saying that if, if you've had COVID in the past and you're no longer infectious and you're no longer, you know, sick and infectious and a threat to other members, then let the science and let the, medis- the medical experts decide and not just have a bright line rule that discriminates against anyone who may have been exposed to COVID at any time in the past. That's going to be a growing number of people in America, a growing number of athletes, and a growing mm-hmm. number of boxers over time. And if they've been exposed to COVID and they can't pass a COVID-positive test because of that, then you're just going to kill the sport. Yeah. And one COVID test doesn't, one COVID test doesn't, doesn't prove that, you know, you're currently infectious. It, it doesn't. You need, you need to look at the blood work. You need to look at other aspects. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass you both on to uh, Loopy. Loopy, I know you have some questions. Hi, Michaela. Hi, Mr. Ruiz. Hi. Hi, hi Loopy. Call me George. You call you George or the mask, George. I like that. <laughs> well, I'm not wearing my mask right now because I'm 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 in the home. <laughs> okay. Hi, Michaela. Hey, Michaela. how are you? Good, thanks. You know, I love your Coach Alf stories. I think the, <laughs> they're really good stories. And I have one for you. I have one for you because we went to Louisiana, so we went to Olympic trials. And I came in um, midweek, and my sister sent me an Uber, and I was on the flight, the second flight with Coach Al, and I looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God, it's McKenzie's coach. And, after, you know, when she sent me the car, I seen him coming down the escalator by himself, and I said, hey, Coach Al, I'm loopy, blah, blah, blah. I said, how are you getting around? He goes, I think I'm going to get a taxi. I was like, come on. I threw him in my Uber, dropped him off in his hotel. Oh, love it. Thank He's you. He's a sweetheart. He's such a sweetheart. He's so cute. He is. <laughs> you know, and I saw you a few times at, in Louisiana at the trials in December, and I didn't want to bug you because you were always with, surrounded by little girls wanting to take pics and talking to you. They oh, all yeah. love you. I love it. You know, that was like, I don't get to go back to a lot of amateur tournaments these days, but when I do go back, mm-hmm. like, it's great. It's just great to see the difference and the change and, like, be, like, a role model with some of these young girls. Like, 
And so I love it. I wish I could do more appearances at some amateur tournaments. So that was really cool. But yeah, yeah, you said that was one. Yeah, that was one for you to show up. But Coach Al was also being inducted, right? So you were there. Yeah, I had to make his inductee speech. I know that's so great. You know, they asked us to go. They're like, "Are you going?" We're like, "We only brought sweat. We're not going. <laughs> We're not." It was so, you could have gone regardless. I mean, I couldn't go. I, saw, I couldn't have gone, but but. I saw what you were wearing. We were not going. Oh my gosh! So I've heard you speak about your father, but where and who were the women in your life growing up? Oh, uh, interesting question. So, uh, my my dad, my parents divorced at a young age. My mom originally got custody of us because she was the mother, and that's how things went. But as time went on, uh, my mom was an addict, and when we were, when I was twelve, and my sister was thirteen, and my other sister was about seven, my dad pushed for custody, full custody of us. So, um, at twelve years old. I moved in, you know, to the apartment with my dad. My dad, at a young age, got custody of three young girls and three young teenagers. And um, I really, we all really haven't had much of a relationship with my mother since. So I guess my female influence sort of ended at that stage. But you, you know, had your my, sisters, my dad, right? We did. I did have my sisters. Me and my sisters are mm-hmm. all still very close. Um, we have a, we have a great relationship with my dad. You know, the older I get, I realize, wow, like how much he took on, like, mm-hmm. he, he, I'm thir- I'll be 30 in a couple of weeks. And like, my dad had three teenagers at like 33 years old. So I just, I can't even freaking imagine that I have two dogs and I'm like overwhelmed. That is so, so wild. Yeah. I just can't imagine it. So definitely have like starting to take on a different perspective growing up but you know yeah my dad my dad did raise us at a young age and my mom is still struggling as an addict I still don't have a relationship with her and so it's definitely been tough and it gets tougher as you get older because you start to awaken more and realize different things but you know I'm still still blessed in a lot of ways that's why you fight right there's always a story behind for sure for sure you have Ginny as well, your best friend. How is she right now? I mean, is she she's she's good health wise? I mean, no, yeah, absolutely. She took a yes. I mean, having Ginny as my best friend is, I mean, everyone always asks like, how are you guys able to just like hang out all the times whatever you want? It's okay, yeah, we're both thirty. She's thirty two. We, we're not married. We don't have kids. We're in the same career, and we just we live a great life. Like we just train and do whatever we want. We have a lot of fun mm-hmm. together and. Um, she, it's amazing having a best friend in the same career path as you. She's doing fine. She got a test yesterday. Or she got the results from her COVID test yesterday because obviously we've been together this entire time. Yeah. And she was negative, but I wouldn't, I, she was negative, but I would not be surprised if she had the antibodies in her system as well. Because if mm-hmm. I came in contact with COVID a few months ago, I'm sure she did also because we've been together for the last few months. So if she got an antibody test, I'm sure it would be positive. But her test, her COVID test as of yesterday was negative. Um, so she's fine. Everyone, I've checked in with everyone I've come across in the last few months, obviously, just to be sure and safe because I care about everyone. And everyone I've come across is negative. They've all been tested. Everyone's negative. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you that because I follow you on social media, and I see, you know, one of the girls, um, Nicole Lacasio, five-time national champ, I noticed, and I was going to ask you, have you checked in? But, of course, you did because you care about the girls and the guys and the guys you're working with. Yes, and I've, I've, I've let everyone know. Like, my sparring partner, who I was sparring with three times a week for the last three weeks, got the second he found out that I was off the card, I sent him the location that he can get a same-day test in Houston. He went, he was like, I'm negative. And I'm like, okay, good. I'm not surprised, but good. I um, appreciate you getting tested. I apologize for worrying, you know, for stressing you out or causing any worry. Yeah. But, yeah, Did you feel so. bad? Have you felt bad about I mean, we all have guilt, right? I mean, yeah, no, you know, I didn't feel bad because I knew that I, my antibody test was positive. So when they when they gave me this positive test in Vegas, I was I knew there was something not factual about it. Like, yes, it was a positive test, but I knew since I had the antibodies. Listen, there's people don't know this, but there are three antibodies that you can get tested for: IgG, mm-hmm. IgM, and IgA. Mm-hmm. IgG is the one I got tested positive for, and that's the one that shows. So IgM and IgA are the ones that show current or recent. Those are negative. Mm-hmm. So I okay. know that I wasn't current, active, recent. It wasn't something that happened recently. My IgG was positive, which shows I had come in contact with COVID several months ago. Yeah. Facts right there. I mean, that, mm-hmm. is, that is the proof right there. That is my blood work. So... I wasn't concerned. Obviously, I wanted to ease everyone's minds, and I wanted to get this straightened out, but I genuinely wasn't concerned. Yeah. I knew that there was that this had to come out. And, and you know, I mean, I I'm, I'm come from women's boxing, okay? So it's not like I'm used to stepping into situations where everything's already figured out and the, the boxes are, are checked. Okay, I'm the one that's creating the boxes and creating the checks. So... I'm not used to be. I'm used to being the guinea pig, and I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Like this is, is what it is. I've done this before, yeah. so if I have to be the example to improve the system and the protocol, then you know, I guess I'm happy to do that. And I just hope they get it adjusted soon so that I can fight soon. And that's all. Yeah, and it's Vegas, right? I mean, they're going to take every precaution. They're like, put you in your rental car, which I can't believe you had to go drive by yourself and just think about everything, right? Yeah, it was for. I mean, they gave me a brand new Mustang, so I had that. <laughs> I, <my> just, <laughs> <laughs> I can just see it. Okay, I was so like now. so pissed. You know, I'm so pissed off. I'm like in an Alberta on my lap. I'm pissed, and I'm just like, well, at least they gave me a Mustang. Blasting music all the way home <laughs> for 13 hours. <laughs> I can just see it. Okay, so I yeah, have a couple so. questions all in one. My next. I, so I want to know, do you think you're better than Terry Harper? Did you ever face her in the amateurs? And would you fight her in the UK? Uh, okay, absolutely better than Terry Harper. Way more Love well-rounded, may, way more experienced. Did I experience her in the amateurs? No, I've never even heard her name until she had a title fight against the long-standing world champion. Okay, so... Yeah, she's the world champion now. That is that is she that is her title. I will give her that. Okay, but I was the deserving top contender, and we have to make these these mandatories more strict. I have been number one contender for over a year, and it has been 
way too hard to get a world title fight. Now, Terry Harper, who was ranked number 15 when she got this title shot, versus me, number one. And she got this title shot not against a new standing world champion. So now, like, for example, Terry Harper is a new standing world champion. I don't expect her to take on me, the number one contender right away. Why would she? Why would her team let her do mm-hmm. that? However, Ava Wallstrom was the world champion for years. She was not a new world champion. She was a long-standing mm-hmm. world champion. She should have taken on the number one contender. She went out. The she, what a sad way to go out. You know, Ava yeah. Wallstrom basically yeah. ducked, ducked Michaela. She took a. She made a strategic choice to go fight the number fifteenth contender versus the number one contender, thinking she was going to have another easy night, right? And then keep her yeah. belt another few months. And because we've been talking to Wallstrom's camp, and there was excuse after excuse after excuse. There was like a dentist, you know, I had to go to the dentist. Literally, there was like a, a dental excuse thrown in the middle of all of this. And then, <laughs> so she took, she took the fight with Terry Harper thinking, that's going to be an easy night. I'm going to keep my title, and I'm going to go make the money with Michaela. Make a little money now, keep my title a little bit longer. And then if I got to lose it to Michaela, at least I'll, I'll make some money later on. She, she gambled and she lost. She lost, mm-hmm. and now the, the title is in Terry Harper's hands. And look, you know, obviously fought well enough to beat uh, the world champion, so all the credit to her. But, you know, there's no what way, if I'm, Eddie, if I'm Eddie Hearn, there's no way I'm going to want to fight Michaela because you're going to lose that championship, like, overnight. So he's going to put up yeah. a really easy fight in front of her to pat her up, fill up her, her experience, get her a little bit more money, you know, before he's willing to take on the real number one contender and, frankly, a much better fighter, Michaela Mayer, because he knows that that title is just going to be a paper title. It, that, that's what's going to happen. I mean, he's just going to prolong it as long as he does. Look what he did with Anthony Joshua, avoiding Deontay Wilder for the longest time. He's going to do the same thing, you know, with, with Terry Harper here. Yeah. Hey, hey, George, it makes me so happy to see that Michaela has somebody like you in her corner. Just the way you speak, it's just she deserves it, man. She fights hard and works hard, and she needs somebody like you. It, it makes me really happy. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Michaela, Michaela is family. Uh, you know, that's what she is, and that's how I think of her. Uh, and so I'm going to do everything I can to protect her at all times uh, because, frankly, you know, we worked hard together. We both have invested a lot of time in this, and now that it's finally paying off, um, I'm, I'm really happy. And so I'm going to continue to just make sure that she gets what she's dreaming about, and that is a world – several world championships and uh, and be able to take care of her family for life. Yeah, that's awesome. So your client... Yeah, I mean, George, George definitely yeah, doesn't mind me thinking like, oh, this is a moneymaker. Like, he knew there was no... There was no going to be no immediate return on this investment. And it hasn't. I mean, 2012 was how many years ago? It's a decade of investment of your time and effort. That is just yeah. now kind of sort of paying off. And I think that's yeah. just like, that just says so much. And, you know, same with my coaches. Same with Coach Allen, Coach K. Like, nobody is getting a ton out of the, all the work they put in. Any boxing coach. It takes time yeah. to develop an athlete in this sport it's not a collegiate yeah. sport you don't come out making millions of dollars right away the investment mm-hmm. is different yeah so george so. your clients are made up of composers writers comedians filmmakers entrepreneurs and boxers yes. so yes. do you have michaela and christina cruz are they your only boxers and what's the contrast between these two 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, Christina's in the amateurs, and she's right now. Um, she just got picked to represent Puerto Rico in, uh, in yes. the Olympic trials, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think she eventually is going to want to turn pro, but she's, I know she's set on, a, on an Olympic medal. So that that's that. She's gonna she's in the amateurs right now, and she wants to reach the highest point in the amateurs, and that's the Olympic. Uh, you know, being on an Olympic stand. Um, so you uh, were in discussions make, with those. You were in discussions um, with Christine Cruz and the Puerto Rican uh, Boxing Federation? No, no. That, I actually was not involved in that. They, they reached out to her. I was not involved in that whatsoever. That's all. That's all. Okay. Christine, that's Christina's doing. She, uh, you know, she's okay. got some long-standing great relationships that have, you know, finally paid off. And she absolutely deserves that shot because she's one of the best fighters for Team USA out there. So I'm glad that she's going to get another shot. Um, mm-hmm. With Michaela, we're, we're in a situation where now she's in her pro career. And so we're mapping out all the plans that she needs to do in order to uh, win the belt and then, you know, make her career, you know, make the most sense. But we're also, look, a lot of the things that we're doing with Michaela is to not treat her like a boxer. Um, we we mm-hmm. treat her like, frankly, like a star and a star inside the ring and outside the ring. I'm looking for, for you know, press about, you know, that's not just about boxing. I look for sponsorships that are not just about, you know, boxing gloves or, you know, boxing shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look for opportunities where she gets in front of a camera and does different things because, frankly, yeah. look, I, I think I see she's got a career in television, possibly film and other other areas. She's turning into a businesswoman. She's launched, launched mm-hmm. a line of merchandising. You know, so yeah. everything, she's investing in real estate. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening right now which are great. Yeah. And that, what, I, what I'm drawn to are smart, determined uh, people who are experts in, in different areas. That's why I represent a, a variety of different people and not just athletes. I love representing athletes. There's nothing better than fight week, nothing better than fight yeah. week. But I also love being on a, on, a, on a set. I like producing things with clients. I like, you know, we just produced a show for YouTube originals called Sleeping with Friends that got 1.2 million views in a week. So we're very happy yeah. about that. Yeah, so I represent a lot of different people who are doing very cool things and, frankly, challenge me to learn what they do. And then I sit back and admire them as they, as they do the thing they do best. I, I help put the pieces together on the business side and let them go do their thing, and then we're all happy together. Yeah, and honestly, that benefits me too. It's like if you just get a manager who only knows boxing, okay, so they, oh, they wheel and do your contract and that's it, collect a check. Like me and my – me and George are constantly – brainstorming to get together we're con- yep. we're, we're constantly i mean we're t- constantly talking thinking about what what avenues we can go down what kind of uh you know how we can break outside of boxing in general like we're we're, we're constantly having these conversations how we can break out of the norm and with a, with i think a normal boxing manager you don't get that they don't have those but George has contacts in all different aspects and different genres and so uh, and that's where I want to be. I don't want to just be box, a boxer. There's other things that I want to do. And so I think we both we, we share that in common. You know, and you you can do it, Michaela, because you got the whole package. Remember a couple of years ago when you went, came out to Sacramento and you came out, worked with our girls, the beautiful brawlers, and you brought boxing gloves and you brought everything and that's boxing, but you can, it also transcends because I know how those, I know how we feel about you after that, but I saw how all those girls felt about you. Brown girls, white girls, black girls. It was just, you have it. Don't you think? But it's not because it's because it's in your heart. And when you do what you love and you do it out of love, it shows, right? 
Yeah, no, I genuinely, like, that was something I genuinely wanted to do. Like, I saw you, I saw those girls there, and I know I have friends and I have needs and access to things that I didn't have when I was in those young girls' positions. Because I was, I was a, that young girl at one point in my career. And so, and I would have killed for someone to just show up and give me a free pair of gloves and shoes. Like, that happened. Yeah. Like, James James Tony was actually the first person to give me my first pair of boxing shoes. And he was fond of the because he saw me training in, like, tennis shoes. And so, like, those things mattered. I was bartending, working, training, going to school, trying to figure it out. And so I don't want to forget that. And when I walk in to see a group of young girls, like, yeah, a pair of shoes may mean nothing to me now, but I know that means so much to a young boxer coming up who maybe can't afford $120 for a nice pair of shoes. Or, you know, yeah. $200 for a pair of gloves. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel that makes me feel like, okay, I have a duty to give back because I have a platform and a, a career that most women aren't able to have. And I have a duty to sort of not only build that path, but give back to the youth because there's not a lot of women in my position who are able to do that. It's not like men's boxing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what, Michaela? It was great having you on. It's great talking to you. I mean, I love you anyway, and bringing you guys are doing what you are set out to do because I'm a fan. I love you, and speaking with George, it just brought another element that it's like, oh my gosh, I love you even more. So thank you for <laughs> coming on and speaking with us. <laughs> thank you so much. No problem. I'm glad you guys brought George. Thank you on. for having us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. So Felipe. Yes, thank you, Lupe. Um, I'm, my first question is for uh, Michaela. Um, you were a bartender. Oh, yeah. I bartended and waitressed my whole life. I've had a job since I was 15 years old. There was a point where I was going to school. I got kicked out of so many schools that I ended up at that little tiny school where all the bad kids go. So I actually got out at noon. It was, like, cool because I got out at noon. So I'd get out at noon, and then I'd walk to work. I found a work with walkable distance from my job in my apartment, my dad's apartment, and so I'd go to school till noon, go to work till four, and then I'd get on my running shoes and run to the gym. And I would do that every day. School, wow. work, gym. School, work, gym. With no car. I'd walk and run. And wow. so, now, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm asking for a friend, but how is your margarita on the rocks? Do you know how to make that drink? <laughs> Oh, I, of course, know how to make a margarita on the rocks. What do you mean? Oh, that's, 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 David's, that's, that's David's favorite drink, so you're on, you're on his uh, good list right there, huh, David? That, that's the classic. That's the classic. I definitely, being a bartender, I definitely know how to make a margarita on the rocks. Now, uh, George, uh, my question for you is, you know, we, we got your background, and, you know, Michaela a couple minutes ago gave us the reasons of why you guys are such a great team because you're beyond a boxing, a regular, uh, a traditional boxing manager. But we all know that the boxing business is a tough business. I mean, you have to deal with one of the best promoters, and I would imagine one of the best negotiators that's ever been in the business in Bob Arum. And you got to deal with Carl Moretti. You got to deal with uh, the matchmakers, Brad Goodman, and um, I forgot the other gentleman's name, who's a legend. Um, who's Bruce, the other Bruce, 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 Bruce Trampler. Bruce Trampler. Yeah. So, so when you signed Michaela, did you have any reservations of actually being a boxing manager, and what that entailed 
regarding regardless of everything else that you were bringing onto the table? Uh, no, not, I mean, I knew I had to go learn some more about it. Um, I hadn't obviously been a boxing manager before. I wasn't trained by a boxing manager. I didn't work at a, at a management company that specialized in boxers. But I have, like, kind of like Michaela, I have a lot of faith in myself. I, I, I enter into new businesses all the time, and I educate myself about them. And I always figure if, if those guys can do it, I think I can do it too. And I might be able to even do it a little better because I'm bringing my law degree and I'm bringing my experience. Look, I've negotiated deals worth millions and millions of dollars for a lot of like A-level celebrities in movies in Hollywood with all the major studios who have the best negotiators in the world. I figure I can bring some of that experience to boxing and help my clients do better there. So I, it sounds maybe a little bit arrogant. But in the boxing business, everyone talks a little bit arrogant, so I don't mind saying that so much. Uh, uh, but I, I think it, I think my experience in Hollywood really sort of tempered me and showed me, look, this is at the end of the day, a boxing contract is an employment deal for putting on a show. And so there are a lot of similarities and a lot of parallels. There are a lot of things very specific to boxing, but there are a lot of things that are that are the same. So I, I, I bring that experience whenever I look at a contract, and it's really helped me navigate the, the field. I think you needed that mindset, too, because this is not just boxing. This is women's boxing. And it's right. so different. It is so different because if you look at promoters, they're not just signing women based off talent. It's like, it's like women's boxing isn't grown enough, in that, enough yet to sign someone strictly off talent, like they do the men. Like, Promoters, if they're going to sign the women, they want the whole package. They want more than mm. talent. That's a good point. Right. It's sad. The, way, the way it was put to us was uh, ability and marketability. I think mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. more so for women right now than than just than than, than the men. It, I, but the men, that you can just have a winning record, and that that might be enough. But with women, they they feel like they have to you know bring a little extra, and that that I don't think that's appropriate, but that's a reality. I don't agree with it. Yeah, we don't agree with it, but we understand the reality of it. And so hopefully our career and the, what we build will pave more of a, of a realistic, you know, visual path that people can actually say, okay, here's the path we follow to, to become a, a signed boxer, a professional boxer under a major promoter to have a successful career. But right now, I mean, I'm, I've been signed with Top Ranger for three years. They, they still haven't signed another female. Top, I mean, mm-hmm. Golden Boy still only has three females. Uh, you know, Matching Boxing now has a handful. Maybe they have, like, five or six, which is great. But, like, you got to understand, it's still not the, – the amount of women they have compared to men on their roster is – there's a huge gap there. So we still have a, a huge – a lot of work to be done. We still have a path to create, a solid path, clear path. Um, and, but and, in order to, and the, the key, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I'm just saying in order to, to create that path, like we had to be more than just skilled, like promoters were not looking just for a good boxer. It's like we needed more at the time. And, and the key to really making a star in boxing is television time. And that, that's, that's been our goal is to just get, get to be the co-main, get to be the main card, get to be on the broadcast. It's fine. It's fine to be on a card. But if you're the, you know, sixth fight or, you know, on the, on the list and you're going to fight early in front of a small audience, that's not really going to build up your career. So a lot of the uphill battle is to get, to get Michaela fighting at, at, the, at the broadcast level. And that's finally starting to happen. 
And that, that has taken a lot of education, a lot of patience, a little bit of arguing, you know, um, but it, it's finally uh, top ranks has agreed that they, that they want to invest the time and energy and ESPN time and energy into showcasing somebody who clearly is one of boxing's rising stars. They finally are getting it. They kind of put her through the test and she's passed all the tests so far. So now they're thinking, okay, we got a star on our hands. Let's treat her like a star. So that's, that's what we're seeing that now. It's paying the, the dividends are finally paying off after a lot of, a lot of back and forth in contracts and on the phone. Now, Michaela, you know, going back to, well, going to the current situation now with the COVID-19 test, how worried were you when you were informed that you were positive about Coach Al Mitchell? I know he's an older gentleman. You guys have a great relationship. I follow you on social media as well. And you guys had contact in the weeks prior to the fight. So how, how worried were you about him and what, how that could affect him? I was very worried at first. You know, I mean, I totally left it up to him to even come out to camp. I was prepared to do the whole camp with Coach K. And when we called Coach Al, he said, nope, I, I need to be there. We'll be okay. We're going to make it happen. But when, I, when they test me positive in Vegas, I really wasn't concerned because I knew of my blood work results. My blood work results were not being talked about. They were not being, brought, they were not being even and that is part of the protocol that needs to be adjusted. You cannot just take a COVID test. It has to be compared with the blood work results, the antibody results, because that'll show if the, system, if the virus is still active in your system or if you just have had it in the past and are still showing, showing it in your test. It doesn't mean you're contagious or anything like that. So we need to make adjustments in that case. So when I got that result, I wasn't worried at all, but – going into camp, I was worried. Yeah, of course. And Coach Al was very careful when he was there. He wore a mask and everything. And um, we kept him out of the gym with a lot of people. Only brought him in when he needed to, like, do major sparring. But he wanted to be there. It was his, his decision. He was <laughs> beyond bored. You know these old heads. Boxing is all they know. Like, him being cooped up in the house for three months, like, was killing him. He was He was so bored and over it he just wanted to get back into the gym so bad so um he was he was about it and he was supportive now it seems like you've done a lot of research and you educated yourself very very well on the subject so with that said and by following you on social media i've seen the remarks that you have made since driving back home to denver um, do you feel cheated in a way that you weren't allowed to fight or do you feel that you were made an an example of a unfairly no i i definitely i'm disappointed for sure but i i completely understand this is very to everybody everyone is still somewhat fearful of this of this virus and we don't have all the answers so i don't blame top rank i don't blame anybody involved because this is the first fight back we were all trying to bring boxing back but in the safest conditions and we had to have a strict protocol i totally get that so I'm just looking at the positive now, like, okay, here was the strict protocol, but now we lost our co-main event, you know? So, and for no reason, because she was not infectious. She was not going to cause any harm to anyone around her or on the card. So how do we better this protocol to avoid situations like this in the future? And if I had to be that, I mean, 
I always I keep saying this, like this is women's boxing. Like I've been a guinea pig for women's boxing since I decided to box. So, this is no different. Um, you know, if I had to be the example, then it is what it is. I hope we just can learn from it, make the changes because I want to get back in the ring as soon as possible. And I would hate to have to go to not be able to fight because maybe my system is going to carry a positive for the next six months to a year. I don't know, but I'm not infectious or contagious. So I think we really need to do some research, find out the facts so that I can get in the ring um, as soon as I can. I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to go. I haven't fought. So that was over. I'm ready. So that actually was my next question. In your research, you found that you could carry this quote-unquote false positive in your system for six months to a year, or what is what you've seen of when will this result still be in your body? No, I wouldn't even call it a false positive. It's positive showing the antibodies in your system. It's showing It's still showing a positive test because it hasn't shed completely by, by out of your system, but you're not contagious anymore. You've, you've built the antibodies to fight the, to fight the virus. So it's, it's not out of your system because it's still going to test positive, but you're no longer sick and you're no longer infectious. So do you have any answers of when it would not show so that way you could get back in the ring or you don't know that as of right now? I'm sorry, what? Do you have any idea of when it would stop showing in a test or you don't no, have those? No, I don't. You know, I, I've looked into it and it can, it can show positive in your system for months and months and months. So we don't know. This is a new thing that we don't understand, which is why a simple COVID test cannot prove uh, ineligibility. You have to compare with blood work. You have to compare with your antibody test because there's going to be plenty of people that are going to be infected with this disease, millions. I mean, look at the numbers. So we can't just, we can't just disregard uh, people and, and, and decide that they're ineligible to compete in sports or do certain things because they've come in contact with the virus in the past. It's discrimination in the sense. Right. So, jo- so, we so have George, with to that, yeah. yeah, no, we well, have my to question decide. Is, my, my question is for George. I'm sorry. My my question is for George. Knowing that, what Michaela just explained to us that this could be in her system for months to come, despite that she's asymptomatic and not sick. What kind of conversation are you having with Top Rank regarding that? Well, it, it's about it's about adjusting the protocols to reflect a more scientific and more medical approach to accepting a fighter and not just one based on a bright line rule that says COVID positive, you're out. That doesn't work. And that's not going to work for Michaela right now. And maybe it won't work for her in a month. What we instead have to look at is does she pose any kind of threat to the other, to to her opponent or anyone else involved in the production, you know, uh, beyond her fists, you know, does she, does she, is she infectious? Can she get somebody else Right now, based on what we're hearing, and uh, and and from from also from a doctor who did her who looked at her blood report or her, her actual COVID, determined that she's not infectious and she doesn't pose a threat, and frankly should have been cleared to fight that night. But somebody made the decision, maybe for optics, maybe for safety, maybe because just they, they wanted to be overly cautious, that they would just keep her from fighting that night. Now that that may have been the right decision for that card. What we're saying is going forward, we have to look at this a little bit deeper with a little bit more complexity, a little bit more nuance, and find out 
does she pose an actual threat to any other fighter or any other person on that team? If the answer is yes, and there are medical reasons for yes, then she shouldn't fight. We don't believe that's the case. We believe that based on what we've been told from a, a doctor who's an expert in this in this area, that she is beyond that, that she's carrying antibodies, showing that she's been exposed, but she's no longer any kind of a threat or not infectious at all. And I think the protocols have to reflect the reality of that because, as Michaela said, there are over 2 million people that have now tested positive in the United States for COVID, that have been infected with COVID. Are we going – does that mean that a TSA agent who gets it will forever be barred from working at the TSA and, and at, at an airport, a bus driver, a mail carrier, an Uber driver? Do we, do we discriminate against them forever because they tested positive or they had COVID at some point in their life? No, we have to look at the reality that at some point, you know, they're not going to be infectious or a threat to anyone else, and we can live with them again. We can hug them again. We can be around them again, and they can box again. That's what we. That's what we have to talk about with uh, with top rank, and probably the Nevada State Athletic Commission and MGM and ESPN. Mm. Now, back in March, uh, Michaela was scheduled to face uh, Melissa Hernandez, the veteran Melissa Hernandez, in a fight that I was very, very much looking forward to. First question, George, Me too. was was that fight was that fight tried to be was it tried again for this past Tuesday? And if so, why didn't it happen? Uh, I understand that Top Rank did try to make the fight, but um, uh, from the Nevada State Athletic Commission side, they, they felt that that was going to be a little bit harder uh, to make happen um, because of some, uh, basically, the, the determination that they wanted a different opponent, somebody that was going to, uh, uh, and no disrespect to Melissa, but someone who's going to pose more of a threat uh, to Michaela mm. to make it a more challenging fight. Wow. Um, so that, that their their strong preference was for a different fighter. Hmm. We okay, would, we would have, my... And I think, you know, I think Melissa would have been a great opponent, and I think we would have seen a, a great fight that night. But it, it wasn't our call. This was something that, that top rank and the Nevada State Athletic Commission had to discuss, and there was a determination that it should be a different opponent. Now, my my this is my last question, and Michaela, let's play a devil's advocate here and. It looks like matchroom boxing is coming back in the fall, and I, what I've seen and what I've heard, although it's all rumors, they're looking to pull, uh, put on fights in Eddie Hearn's backyard and, and other spots. So playing devil's advocate, if, if your next fight is your last fight for 2020, are you willing to go directly against Terry Harper in the fall in England, maybe because they're their guidelines are a little bit more lax than what we dealt with this past Tuesday? Absolutely. I will take that fight whenever they offer it. If they offer it tomorrow, we are in. But I don't well, think Well, the will. terms have to be right. The terms have to be right. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, yes. But there's a lot we would have to negotiate first. Yeah, no, they, yeah. we're not just going to take a fight and, like, lower our what, what work, but the money needs to be right. The, the, the Everything has to be right. But I – Absolutely. I mean, I'm ready to fight her whenever. I'm gonna, I'm ready to take her belt whenever because I know I will. Now, you know, also, I think that's a, that's a big fight, and, I, and frankly, I think the world should see that fight. And hopefully, we're in a situation where audiences can be led into a, to an arena and not just a backyard uh, to yeah. watch to watch uh, you know a world championship uh, women's fight. So that's that's our hope too that that we we get back to a sense of normality. 
Okay. Well, before we let you go, you live in Denver, right, Michaela? Colorado Springs, so yeah, an hour outside Denver. Oh, okay. I thought you lived in in Denver because there is. I don't know if you ever been to that Mexican restaurant on Larimer Street. It's called Tamayo. <laughs> No, but send me, send me the address. I'm going. I miss oh, Mexican right food. LA has the best, and they don't have it. Oh, either. that place? No, that's. I mean, I'm Mexican. I'm Mex. Well, this is how Mexican. I'm Mexican, and I live in Tijuana, which is in Mexico. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you know that. And I went yes. to that place, and I was like, it's kind of like a Mexican modern fusion type of place called Tamayos. It's right on Larimer Street, which is like the old town of Denver. So if you're ever in Denver, and you have a chance, and they're open. Make uh, make it a, an issue to go because it's it's really really good. <laughs> okay, yeah, send me the name and address. I'm definitely gonna go. Uh, <laughs> me go. too. I'm Mexican. <laughs> I'm Mexican as well. Send it to me as well. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we want to thank you for being here on the two minute round. It was a long interview. We actually, it's probably the longest interview we ever had in 88 uh, um, shows that we've had. And actually, this is the second time that we have uh, Mikaela on. The first time was back in September of 2017. So we want to thank you for being on the show with us. We wish you all the best, and we hope to see you in the ring very, very soon. Yes, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I'm glad it was long but necessary. So it was, it was good. great. <laughs> thank Bye, you so much, guys. We do appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great night. All right. Thank good night. There you go. Good night. And there you have it, Mr. George Reese and Mrs. Michaela Miss Michaela Bayer, um, on the show with us here tonight. Gave us a lot, a lot of information, a lot of stuff to digest. One thing is she does know how to make a Cadillac. Uh, I mean, a, a uh, margarita <laughs> on the rocks. Is that a is that called a, that's a Cadillac margarita, right, David? That, that's the the that's a higher form of margarita. Oh, the Cadillac, Cadillac margarita. Cadillac has the uh, that liqueur on top. Come on, baby. Yeah, Grand Marnier. Grand Marnier. Marnier. I'm a strictly tecate kind of guy, so I don't know what you guys are talking about. But uh, <laughs> that's what I use for a chaser. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I find it very, very interesting um, what she said that this. She's done a lot of research. She's very educated on on this subject. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's 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 dealing. It's 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 stopping her career. In a sense, and I just I'm just afraid that if Top Rank and the MGM and the Nevada State Commission continue with this protocol, which in a sense is good. I mean, we're seeing it work. We're watching boxing. We watch boxing yeah. tonight. We watch boxing Tuesday night. But if they keep the same protocol and the COVID-19 traces of it stay in her body for who knows how long, we might not see her fight in a while. Exactly. And that is what exactly. and that is what and that is what worries me. And hopefully Mr. Reese, George Reese can can work something out with Top Rank or with the Nevada State Athletic Commission and they come up to some kind of conclusion. Now, they haven't released any information of the fighter Christian Savala, I believe is his name, that was scheduled to fight next Tuesday and that has also come up positive and now he has been scratched of the card for next Tuesday. They haven't come up with the information oh, really? if it's the same kind of result as Michaela's or is the actual or is the actual COVID-19 virus active in his body right now. So they haven't come up with that just yet. Yes. And we're they, entering they new come, territory. Yeah, we are in new territory. But they better come up with it quick because 
I mean, it, it is new territory, but they already know, like she said, the three different types, you know, one from long ago and one more recently. They better do it quick because the world has to go on. we got to continue. Sports has to go on. I learned a lot. I, I agree. Now, yeah, I did too. Now, let's go back a little bit to the question that you asked me in my answer right before we, we went on the uh, interview with uh, Michaela, where why was oh, yeah. my belief of why they should have to fight and not just give them the belts back? Now, I gave you my answer. Do you have any comment regarding it, Lupi? Now, can you refresh it real quick? Your answer, just really quick, refresh or. Well, my well, my answer was well, my answer fairly quickly here was that you know I don't credit the whole the reason of why Ale, in this case Alejandra Jimenez beat French Sean Cruz in that fight, even though it was a close fight. I don't give the, all the credit of it to her positive test for an illegal substance. I believe that it had something to do with her skill and her talent for whatever reason. Crenshaw Cruz deserved could not deal with whatever Jimenez was doing in that ring. Now, did she have some kind of advantage coming up positive? Yes. That's why the fight was called a no contest. That's why she was stripped of the belts. But was it all 100% the test and the substance? I don't believe so. So if that's the case, okay. then I believe that Franchon Cruz-Dezern should be named the number one contender and she should fight the most available, highest ranking opponent for the belts. And she could become okay, a world then, champion again. Okay, then that's where, then it's just um, our opinion, uh, uh, you know, because I feel like well, after I watched that fight, it was like, okay, did Alejandra do enough to um, take those belts in the first place? Me, again, my personal opinion, I don't think she did enough to rip a two-time champion's belt off. I really didn't. It should have been a draw if they were going to go that way. David, I want to hear what you have to say about that. Well, well, even if even if I thought Cruz lost, which I didn't, I thought she won. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the judging was was wasn't accurate, but I mean it was close enough. It was a close fight, but still, when somebody tests positive, to me it's like giving somebody uh, you're giving them an advantage. They take, yeah. In the case of women, it's been proven that when women get PEDs versus men. It's seventy percent more, something like that, more effective for for mm-hmm. women because they're they don't have testosterone. See, guys have testosterone, so it's boosted. Yeah. Well, yeah. women yeah. don't carry that, so when it goes up the roof, off the roof, and she had a a decide decisive advantage. Basically, she was in there with brass knuckles, and yeah. Cruz was just in there with the bare knuckles. So yeah, yeah. She, she won the fight, but that was unfairly. Judged, you know, she should. She I just saw, over there. Just think about it. I'm with you, David. I really am with you. And, you know, my husband, who doesn't, he doesn't do, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know boxing, doesn't do boxing. He he likes other sports, but he. It's the first time I made him sit and watch this with me. And when it first started and they came out, he looked at me. And this guy doesn't really. He doesn't know boxing. He looked at me. He goes, "You're serious?" He goes, "You guys should all be pissed off at this right now." And he was just <laughs> watching them come out. He was like, "No way." And that's just coming from a guy who's a baseball player. So, you know, that's just like one guy's opinion who doesn't know boxing. But well, I didn't think she will... did enough to take that belt. I really didn't. I mean, I don't remember what I scored it. I might have scored it a, 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 a draw. But 
I mean, if it was up to us, you know, decisions would be different across yeah. boxing. We're going by the decision of the judges. They saw Jimenez the winner, yeah. and, you know, I'm basing that on that myself. I just can't give all the credit to that. I mean, if that was the case, in my opinion, you know, taking PEDs should be able to be so much stronger, so much faster than any boxer and just go in there and fight or somebody with limited experience and go in there and fight and win. But because Jimenez is an experienced fighter and she is bringing something to the table, now, is it is it something with some kind of unfair advantage? Yes, it was, and that's why she's getting the results she's getting now. But yeah. that mm-hmm. only the PEDs was the only answer of why she won that fight, I can't agree with that. And that's why I believe that French Jean Cruz should fight for the, for the belt again. Mm-hmm. No, she never should have lost it. She never should have lost it because it was taken unfairly. That's why you don't take the title away. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, and this is just something kind of I'm just going to throw out there just because. But with everything going on, you know, in our what's going on in the environment today and the last few weeks, that also could have been a reason why they decided to give it, give it to her at this time. You know, and, and I'm just going to say something. Me, David and Philippe and I, we, we talk, you know, throughout the week. And I even said it, you know, when that one poster come out, did it come out now because – did they give her back her belt because they needed to put the poster out? I was being a little sarcastic, half sarcastic about that. Which poster are you talking about? Um, the champ. We are the. It was the championship. Uh, Remember, uh, I, I kind of said that. Yeah. I was being a little sarcastic, but I was half truth. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I they could have put out the poster and and put both of them on there because they ended up putting fighters that weren't current champions right there anyways, like Christy oh, Martin yeah. and Alicia Riker. So they could have put both of them on there and it would have been fine. You know, there's other reasons. Right, why right, to Japanese champions. They yeah, they, the there's other reasons right, why to criticize yeah. that poster. But, sure did. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, and I thought about no posting, posting something on there and kind of, <laughs> but I didn't want to go back and forth. I mean, what is the, what's the point? But let's move on to our next, uh, to our next uh, news quote here because we are running a little bit of time. Um, in an interview with the website, the current unified super welterweight champion Clarissa Shields publicly stated her support for three-minute rounds versus two-minute for female boxing. She said, and I quote, I think it is going to take one of the female champions to fight a three-minute round for 12 rounds. When they see the top women fighting are willing to do it, everyone will get on board and promoters will pay us fairly, she declared. She believes with the three-minute round, she will score more knockouts as well as Shields shared after her next fight against the current IBF's 150-pound champion, Marie Eve DeCary, she would like to have a three-minute round fight. I do wholeheartedly agree with Clarissa Shields on this statement. I believe that it takes somebody like the name of Clarissa Shields to put this on the forefront of boxing and restart or continue the conversation about the three-minute round versus the two-minute round. But I believe her talking about it is not going to be enough because she made the statement, and the statement has been going around the female boxing world for about a week. And the Mm -hmm. one organization that is is super 100% against the three-minute round is the WBC, which Clarissa Shields is the champion of right now and they have not made a statement about it they haven't even tried to counter 
what she stated, which sometimes they tend to do. So I think that the next step for her, if she really means what she says, is that when she gets to fight, to not fight for the WBC title and not pay that sanctioning fee if they're not going to allow her to fight for a three-minute round. Your thoughts, David? Oh, I'm, I 100% agree with you, 100%. She should just go for it, do the three-minute rounds for 12, and if the WBC doesn't want to go along with it, so be it. Throw it in the trash. Loopy, do you agree? <laughs> I do agree. You know I agree. I think... I think each person, each fighter should should decide for themselves. Because for me, in my head, I always think every fight is different. Clarissa Shields is making the big bucks. Katie Taylor making the big bucks. But for other fighters, is that three minutes of fighting worth it to you for what you're getting paid? So I'm still on the um, each fighter should decide for themselves because is it really worth it to you? That extra minute for what you're getting paid for the punishment you're putting yourself through. I don't know so much if the, if the extra minute every round is going to have them pay more because with how Lou DiBella stated some shows ago, that it's not so much about the amount of time that you're putting in. It's not like punching in a clock and because you're punching in the clock, you're working overtime and you deserve to get paid more. But it's because of what female boxing brings to the table, to the networks and to the promoters that's going to dictate their pay, not so much how long they're fighting for. But the fact that she that if you put this on the table – and you and somehow change it so that they're fighting three minute rounds, then it could lead to that because it's gonna put you on a more playing level field than the male fighters yes. because now you're also fighting three minute rounds. So what's the next step? Let's try to find fair pay for women. Maybe not equal yeah. because yeah. it's gonna be yeah. really hard. I mean, Canelo yeah. Alvarez is getting paid thirty five million dollars. But if we yeah. go from taking away these inequalities the two minute round, the ten yeah. to ten rounds yeah. versus twelve, then it gets us a step closer to the pay. Now we got rid of this stuff. Let's get a step closer to the pay because now we got rid of this stuff. I think that's how it helps. And yeah. I personally yes. I would personally would admire more Clarissa Shields if she really took a stand and she put aside her quest for unification and for belts. If she actually put her foot down and said, I'm not going to fight for the WBC if they don't support me fighting a three-minute round. I think that is the change that needs to be done for us to get closer, and especially by the biggest name of female boxing, at least in the United States, who is Clarissa Shields. If she says, uh-huh. I, I'm putting my foot down, I'm not fighting, it doesn't matter if I'm not going to be the unified, undisputed world champion at 154 pounds because I'm going to be missing the WBC belt. This is more important. And if they're willing to let me fight three minutes, then I'll fight for their belt. If they don't, then I'm not. If she does that, I would yeah. admire that more than any yeah. other belt that she has collected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And hopefully she does it. I mean, we see her out there fighting for certain, you know, she's out there fighting on the Black Lives Matter marches in Flint, Michigan, her hometown. I mean, obviously, and don't, and it doesn't equate. I mean, Black Lives Matter is, supposed, is super much more bigger than a green and gold bill and a three-minute round against a two-minute round. I mean, don't, don't misconstrue my statements. Black Lives Matter is way yeah, bigger than any of this, than any of this, yeah, right? Of course. But... But it's showing me a side of Clarissa Shields that says I'm willing to to talk about things that people might not be comfortable with. And she's done it in the past, 
with yeah. the things that she said, but those have been she things can, that ha- yeah. that could be highly critical, right? You know, with things that she said with the the, the uncle of of of, of Andrew Guerrero, I believe it was. I forgot yeah. the name of the fighter that punched the other guy. You know, mm-hmm. you could criticize those statements that she said, but you can't criticize this. You can't criticize her involvement with the Black Lives Matter movement, and you can't criticize her taking a a a, a stand for the three minute round. Not because at all. That would mean more equality towards female boxing. Yeah. So not at all. And uh, you, know, you know what else, Felipe? It's something she said. Um, you know, Drew, Drew Brees, that football player, said um, something about you know respecting the flag, and everyone came down on him. She stuck up for him. And I, I admire that, too. So, And you know when the Black Lives Matter, she pulled over on the side of the road when she saw that they were – Yeah. she wasn't there for that. So yeah. it says a lot about her. Yeah. You know? and, and, you got to love and, it. You know, she's young, and, she, and, and, and the times that we're, we're living right now, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it starts putting – churning – Turning the wheels in somebody's head, and especially somebody like her, I hope that is in a position to change things, especially in her sport. And she's mm-hmm. young, she's idealistic. You know, I was young once, David was young once, Lupi, you're still young. Really? So, you know, when you're young, <laughs> when you're young and you're idealistic, you think that you could take on the world, and hopefully, she feels that way, not only in the Black Lives Matter movement, but also in this stand which can change the sport of female boxing if somebody of her statue puts her yes. foot down and says I'm willing to sacrifice my future because she's not going to be the undisputed un- undisputed world champion until the WBC agrees but I'm willing to change my future and affect my future for the sport and Quite honestly, I don't think it's going to affect her monetary future because I think Showtime and everybody else is still going to pay her pretty good purses if she's fighting for those other belts. And I'm sure the WBA and the WBO and the IPF were willing to let her fight for those uh, three-minute rounds because they did. At least the WBA did it with Mar- uh, with uh, Cines Estrada and Marlene Esparza. So hopefully we and see that. And with Leila McCarter, she was the first. Layla yeah, Layla. was the yeah. first one to do it for the Way for the back. WBA for the WBA. So at least the yeah. WBA, there's a lot of things that we could criticize about the WBA, but at least they're on the right side of history on this on this issue right here with the three minute round. So with that said, hey, go David, ahead, you want to say something? David, David, did um, Layla do twelve rounds, three minutes? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. And they did a knockout though, Marcus so they did ten, it, minutes, it, ten rounds, three minutes. Yeah, they did uh, three 12-minute rounds. Well, it was set for that, but the fight ended in a knockout. So they oh, didn't okay. go the entire 12. <laughs> she tried. All right, guys, we're, we're running out of time. We've got about three minutes. Let me go through the uh, upcoming calendar because we do have some a little bit of fights. Maybe we're not going to be able to see them in the United States, but there are some female fights going on in the rest of the world. Our next show is set for June 25th, so we'll be discussing this fight if we can find them and talking about any other news that pops up in the female boxing world. Friday, tomorrow, June 12th from Poland, Ewa Piatkowska goes against Karina Kopinska in a six-rounder at 147 pounds. And on Saturday, June 20th, possibly on ESPN, we don't know if they're going to be televised, but from Mexico City, Silvia Torres will go against Edith de Jesus Flores in an eight-rounder at light flyweight. Now, it had been rumored that Jackie Nava was going to be on this fight card, but as we as we can see, she's not. But she might be coming on on a future 
Sanford promoted fight card possibly on ESPN from Mexico City soon because we know that Sanford is putting on fights now starting on June 20th on, on ESPN as well. So with that said, we thank everybody for uh, being with us. We thank Mika the Mayor. We thank George Reese. And we bid you good night. Good night, good night all. Bye.